Hey everyone, this is Gavin. Hey everybody, this is Todd. And I'm Craig. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 122 of the Majors Messor podcast. Uh, I'm obviously Gavin, joined by Todd and Craig again. How's it going, guys? All right. Excellent. Wonderful. We do have a guest on this episode, and we're, we're going to go straight through to the interview, actually. We're not going to do any any you know catch-ups of what we've been up to, because we did just record last night, so we already know what everyone's done, which is fuck all, because of this uh, pandemic, but not that that would affect yes. the Craig's schedule. Um <laughs> Uh, so our, our interview is with a, a Canadian actor called Jesse Camacho, who is, uh, within Canada, is best known for playing the lead role in the comedy Less Than Kind, which I'd never heard of before, but, um, and obviously because I'm from the UK, but um, once, we, once we started to do research on him, I watched it and loved it. It's just so funny. It's like kind of right up there with Trailer Park Boys, comedy-wise. It's, it's so funny. So you get a chance, check that out. It's called Less Than Kind. And uh, he's also in the one of the newer... Um, uh, straight to Netflix uh, shows, um, Lock and Key, it's called, which is like, how would you describe that, Todd, Lock and Key? Well, it, it's kind of like a, uh, a mystery suspense kind of show. Um, I think Jesse gave a great breakdown of it in the interview, but for those who haven't seen it, uh, if you're interested in like the um, kind of suspense genre and the, the kind of... Uh, I guess the uh, Stranger paranormal Things kind of yeah yeah kind of paranormal genres is definitely worth checking out because it it is a um, something different it's a different concept than anything I'd ever seen before which I kind of liked and got into a little bit but um, yeah so that's uh, basically it's I mean I, I could give like a breakdown synopsis of the show <clears throat> but Jesse does that yeah he does yeah begin at the beginning of the interview so it'd be kind of redundant for me to tell you the same thing he's going to tell you exactly so craig just to get you speaking before this interview can you introduce our guest six pose okay whenever you're ready what's his name ah oh. jesse camacho uh. Okay, here's the interview with Jesse Macacho and Todd and Gav. Enjoy. No, no, no not Macacho. Camacho. Mm. <laughs> here's the interview with Jesse Camacho and Todd and Gav. Enjoy. Hey Jesse, how's it going? Good man, how are you? Excellent. Sorry about that. We were a few minutes late getting started there. I apologise. Oh no worries. So uh, All good. 
This is Gavin speaking now. As you can tell, I'm not from Canada. I'm originally from the UK, but I live in Canada. Um, so if you don't oh, if you don't understand what I'm saying, um, we do also have, <laughs> we do we do also have Todd on the line. He's from uh, the US, so he can translate any words you don't understand. <laughs> I, I, I got you perfectly. I had Scottish grandparents fresh off the boat. So uh... oh wow, okay, yeah. Well, that's that that's even more difficult to understand. Like we've got we've got we've got friends from Scotland that live here, and they have such a time with people like they just don't understand anything that they're saying. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I got you. I can follow for the most part. I think. Excellent. <laughs> so how's it going? Oh, good. You know, you know, just uh, taking it easy, laying low. You know. You still, you still like your parents? Yeah, I'm still, uh, I'm still hanging with them in uh, their condo in Montreal. Are they, uh, are they driving you up the wall yet? No, actually, we're, we, we, we've been doing all right. We, we all go out separately for an hour walk a day, and uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're we've always, uh, the, the, our, my family's always been pretty close, so we're all right. There really hasn't been any tension or anything so far. It's been good. That, that's good. I mean, like when I go back to the UK to stay at my parents for a couple of weeks, like after the first week, I just want to kill them. And they and they're the same with me. It's I, because I because I don't live there anymore. I'm used to doing my own thing. So when you move right. back in, it's a nightmare. I find anyway. But that's nice that you guys are getting on. Yeah, I guess it's just it, it's always been that way. I've I've had more like I used to argue more with my sister than I would with uh, my parents. But uh, she's still in Toronto, so it's all good. All all conflict is it's far away. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, so obviously you know the, the 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 main thing that you've done at the moment is lock and key. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give a, a very quick uh, rundown of what that show is about for our listeners that yeah. haven't seen it yet? Yes, absolutely. So it's uh, it's based on a, a wonderful graphic novel by uh, Joe Hill and uh, illustrated by Gabriel Rodriguez. And basically, the the crux of it is it's about this family, the Locke family, who kind of suffers this uh, really awful tragedy when their father's kind of brutally murdered in front of them. And to kind of refresh, restart, uh, the mother, Nina, moves them back to the father's hometown to live in the father's childhood home, which is called Key House. And they learn pretty quickly, the child, the kids, that uh, there's kind of a malignant presence in the house that's searching out these magical keys. And so the kids, you know, start discovering them as well. And while also trying to deflect them away from this kind of evil presence in the house, they sort of get seduced by the power of the keys. And the show is very much sort of about that uh that that weird kind of juxtaposition of you know trying to keep these things safe while also falling tempted to them as well. That's sort of it, I guess. That that would be not a. I don't think I'd get kicked out of a pitching room, but uh, no, I think I think that's, <laughs> I think you did well there. That's yeah, that that's the Thanks, rundown of it, and no spoilers as well. So, <laughs> well, I've seen that this, uh, Lock and Key's been picked up for a season two. Um, has that started production yet, or is that just still just kind of in the the beginning phases of it, or? Uh, from what I understand, and I, I could be wrong, is I believe that all the scripts have been written. Um, I think we were supposed to be shooting around now. Again, I, I'm not sure if that's 100% true. So I guess we're kind of on an, you know, a bit of a hold right now. Everyone's kind of just waiting to see what the state sure. of the world is going to be here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the plan was to be going around now, and that might be pushed to the fall for now. Uh, I'm not... Totally in the loop. It's a little above my pay grade, but that's the kind of rumors that I've that I've heard floating around. I, I they have been kind enough to tell me that you know I'll be back. So uh, that's that's as that's as much as I know. But uh, it's exciting. I'm excited to see what what happens. And obviously, a bit of a bummer that we can't go. But you know, totally happy to wait until it's safe. So your character in the show, Doug, um, mm-hmm. 
you're part of the uh, Savini squad in the show. And um, my question was, if, since it's based on the famous guy, Tom Savini, and he did a cameo in the show, did you actually get to work with him and like get to hang out and get to know him at all? You know, no, we didn't get to meet him, and it was such a drag. I know that they tried. The production really tried to make it work. But I guess he had a small window that he could kind of fly in and do it. Again, I'm not exactly sure what the logistics were. But I remember when I first went in to do fittings and stuff, they had kind of discussed the idea of trying to get a photo of the squad with him. But I guess yeah, it just didn't work out, which is a bit of a drag. But hopefully, you know, that uh, that locksmith shop where he works is, is still there. So maybe in, uh, maybe in season two, the squad can go in and uh, it blows their minds. People ask me all the time. They go, you know, does the squad just live at that store and i go no i think uh, in the world of uh, lock and key with the savini squad i think that uh, tom savini goes beyond uh, the mortal confines of a human being i think he's like a god so i'm not oh, even sure they would recognize him yeah exactly yeah. <clears throat> so the um i know that originally this was like a graphic novel and your character isn't in the the, the books so I suppose mm-hmm. that must be frustrating for you because it's not like you can you can read and try and guess what your character might do in season two. So that's probably yeah, a little it, frustrating. It's a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, I mean, obviously it's a drag. It's a drag for me from the perspective of I'm such a huge fan of the graphic novel. And again, I just think uh, Joe Hill is brilliant and the pictures are brilliant and everything. So it's a drag that he's not part of that kind of original uh, concept of the show. Uh, or, or sorry, of the story. But it's also exciting because there's no, you know, predetermined ending for the character or the group. I think that they're sort of based on the Scott character and the Jamal character from the graphic novels. Obviously, there's a Scott in the show, but it's very, very different. Uh, so I do think that there is uh, there is an inspiration for them in the graphic novels. But I think uh, Carlton and, and Meredith have really kind of branched them out. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a drag cause I, I love the graphic novels, but at the same time, it's really exciting cause you know, they, they have free liberty to do whatever they want with those characters. Yeah. So like with, with the, with the graphic novels, like I haven't read them, but I've heard that they're like way more spooky and scary and graphic and um, than the actual show. Like why, why did they choose to be a little bit, you know, dumb it down a little bit, so to speak for the, for the show, you know, make it a little bit more PG. Do you, do you like you any yeah. idea why they did that? Um, from what I understand, uh, I think that it was that was all done to serve in service of you know broadening the demographic because the graphic novels, as I you know I've said many times, are so phenomenal. I mean they're kind of the gold standard in, in my opinion, uh, but they are unrelentingly dark, scary, and graphic. And I think if you translated it, you know, word for word. Uh, I know that there is an audience for that kind of thing, but I think that the vast majority or a large majority of people, after like three or four episodes of these kids just getting brutalized like they do in the graphic novel, I think people would be like, oh my God, I can't take any more of this. Like this is <laughs> this is crazy. And I know there's examples like The Walking Dead, but that is more about kind of a, more of an adult society. There obviously are exceptions with Carl and everything, but I just think when your story is really centered around kids, there is a certain line of how much brutality you can take in 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 a tell in the medium of television in a graphic novel you can do whatever you want and it, and it really works but when you're seeing these people kind of living and breathing on your screen like i just feel unless you're a glutton for punishment i feel like this was uh this was a a, a safer decision and i think that in the long run it's uh, it's worked out yeah, yeah I also agree. i know that like uh, 
the 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 fellow that wrote the graphic novels, Joe Hill. He's actually son of Stephen King, correct? Yeah. And um, I know, like anytime Stephen King has one of his books brought to the big screen, uh, I've had people tell me that you know it's a lot different than the book, only because you have like an 800-page novel condensed down into an hour and a half worth of a movie. It's hard to get the whole entire feel of it and, and actually touch on everything. So do you think that's kind of like a difference in the adaptation as well of trying to bring the graphic novel to the small screen that you got to just kind of touch on the main points because you don't know how many seasons you're going to get to do. So it's going to be hard to tell the whole story in 11 episodes. So you got to kind of pick and choose which which way you take it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it obviously differs from project to project. You couldn't really do something like that with, like, you know, The Lord of the Rings or or Harry Potter because, uh, you know, those are, like, not that, not that Lock and Key is not. It's very renowned. But those are, I think, pretty specific, and the fan base is pretty, you know, uh, pretty strict on what they'll allow any kind of, you know, uh, loose adaptation with. With something like Lock and Key... You know, when you want to do it as a multi-season thing on Netflix uh, or any kind of uh, mo uh, television channel, I just think that it, by definition you've got more leeway to kind of diverge and try new things. And as long as the DNA is there, I think people are pretty open to it. And yeah, they, they did exactly what you said. You know, there's a lot of stuff from the graphic novels in season one. They kind of picked and choose, and they followed the story to some degree. Um, but they also changed a lot of stuff, and there's still a lot of stuff in those graphic novels that they haven't done yet that they can right. explore in the second season. But I do think, and I, I don't know this, so uh, you know, please don't at me, Carlton and Meredith. But <laughs> I feel like uh, as as the show goes on, and hopefully we'll be able to go for you know many more seasons, I'm assuming that it'll kind of di diverge more and more. But you know, fans can rest assured, first of all, that Meredith and Carlton are geniuses, and that Joe uh, Joe Hill is very much, you know, a voice in their ear, and uh, I think has had a lot of influence on the changes that have been made, and uh, he's a real That's presence. So, yeah. That's good because a lot of times, like with Stephen King, because I I used to work for a cable company, and I actually have been to Stephen King's house fixing his cable, and I got oh, to wow. like pick pick the brain of like some of the people around him, and I'm like, yeah, it's cool that because this was right after Pet Cemetery came out, the the reboot. And I was asking, like, how close was that to the actual book? And, like, uh, they were telling me, they're like, well, he doesn't get a whole lot of say-so in, like, uh, the movies. Like, he doesn't. And I'm like, but he's Stephen King, and it's his story. And they're like, yeah, but they still, they don't, they just make their movie. And it's like, I can't, I can't imagine taking something like that and just being like, yeah, I'm just going to make it my own thing. Like, thanks, thanks for the idea, but we're just going to create our own thing. So the fact that he's involved and still has say-so and, like, the adaptation of it is really a good thing because it kind of keeps it all together and, and on the same lines yeah and i'm not sure if that is uh something that was negotiated or if that's just something that meredith and carlton insisted upon or that joe insisted upon it just seemed to me uh from what i've seen and again i'm, I'm hardly an authority on it that he was very 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 present in uh most uh, most of the development and you know he was even on set a couple of days that i was there so Oh, Again, I'm not sure if that was, if, yeah, I'm not sure if that's a contract thing or if that's just he wanted to be there. Uh, that's all way above my pay grade with people <laughs> with more brain cells than me. <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, the, uh, um, the paranormal entities that we see at the end of season one to kind of give a little bit of a spoiler. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, of course. Uh, that uh, they infiltrate the uh, the group of the Savini squad, we find out toward the end. Mm -hmm. um, and it, 
is there like a dynamic of how they may manipulate the group moving forward into season two? Because now instead of just having one member, there's actually now two that's going to be kind of part of the, the squad. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know how it's going to work, but, um, you know, it's a great question. I'm asking myself <laughs> the same thing. I'm, you know, I, uh, I, I do hope that we get to see more of the squad and they get to be more involved in all kind of the magical side of things. But, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a wolf in sheep's clothing and it's like, you know, are we going to be able to sniff them out? Is, is, is he, are they, yeah, are, are, are both of them going to try to manipulate the group? It's, it's really exciting. I do know that um, uh, Halea Jones, who plays uh, Eden, is a really, really good friend of mine. And we were talking about uh, now that, you know, again, spoiler, her character's sort of gone to the dark side. If there's going to be more of a dynamic of her trying to manipulate the group and like where where she's going to try to get in and kind of, uh, you know, get her claws in. And, you know, with Griffin already in the group, it's really going to add a fascinating dynamic. I mean, I'm just... I'm super excited. I get to wait now sort of as a fan, you know, Uh, and I'm going to read those scripts with extreme fever, you know, (laughs) that's awesome. You could literally go anywhere with it as well. Like it's so dynamic. Like the, the ideas are endless, really. You could just go off and do so much and the characters seem very layered as well. So you could, there's so many stories you could go into and twist and turns. It's going to be really interesting to see where season two goes. Yeah. uh, And that, again, that's a testament to the, to the writers and, they did a really great job of kind of mixing in, you know, the uh, established graphic novel stuff and creating new things as well. And what they what they were really great at, and I think they they really did this with Julia's uh, character again, Eden, was I'm not exactly sure uh, how involved she was supposed to be in the end game of the season, but she just came in and killed it. And they left themselves enough room to kind of adapt as they went and see what worked. And uh, and it, I think it really it strengthened the show. Yeah, for awesome. sure. So another show that I've dis- when we were doing research on you, another show that I discovered that I never I'd never seen before because obviously I'm not from Canada and it was a Canadian show was mm-hmm. less than kind, less than kind. And I yeah. I I've fallen in love with the show and I'm not just saying that because you're on because oh, normally you watched like, it. Oh, oh that's yeah, awesome. I've seen all I had time to do was watch the first season. So I've seen the whole of season one, and because normally what we'll do is you know we'll we'll get a guest and we haven't always. You know, we're not always familiar with everything they've done, so we don't mm-hmm. get a chance to watch everything. But with that, I actually stopped watching Lock and Key. I'll be honest, I, I stopped watching Lock and Key at season seven, sorry, episode seven, mm-hmm. so that I could focus on Less Than Kind because that's my kind of comedy, and I just fell in love with that's it. Right. And, and and the fact that uh, Maury Chaykin was in it as well. I mean, that guy yeah. he, he cr- just cracks me up. I mean, first of all, just what was it like working with him? How did you keep a straight uh, face? <laughs> oh, I, I didn't most of the time. I mean, um, with Maury and uh, Benjamin Arthur, who played my brother Josh, it was, uh, yeah, it was nearly impossible. I mean, I think that there's hours of footage of me cracking up. But, uh, I mean, Maury is a legend. That show, like, it's, thank you so much for watching it. That show was uh, definitely the experience that shaped me the most as a person, as an actor. But, uh yeah, it was great times. And Maury is, you know, aside from my parents who are both actors, Maury was, I think, the guy that probably taught me the most in just the way that he carried himself and, you know, the gravitas that he brought to every day on set and the biggest prankster that I ever knew. He, unfortunately, passed away uh, right after we finished our second season, yeah. which is probably our, our our second, third, and fourth season are probably going to be a little trickier to find. Um, you know, you can hit me up after. I can try to help you out and where you can get those. But, uh 
yeah, it, that show had more lives than a cat, man. We changed networks. Maury died between seasons, and they had to rewrite the first half of season three. And wow. Yeah, that was a crazy experience, but it was a critical darling in Canada, and we won some awards. And, you know, Lock and Keys, probably the show that I was most, as a fan of television, that's the kind of show that I always wanted to be on. But, you know, Less Than Kind is, I think, the one that's still the nearest and dearest to me, for sure. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so good. Like, it's a, and I don't know what it is about Canadian comedy shows, but they just, they go so well with British comedy. Like, it's like, it's, it's one step away from American comedy. And not, not knocking American comedies, but there's something about a Canadian comedy show that it's so, there's, there's something British about it. Like, we, me and Todd are yeah. really big fans of Trailer Park Boys. We love that show. And I'm, I'm a fan of Mr. D as well. I thought that was a wonderful show as well. And uh, less than kind kind of just fits into that, and I, I just I absolutely love it. I just I can't wait to watch the rest of it. And I got to the end of season one, and I watched them on YouTube because that's the only place I could find it. And mm-hmm. it, as soon as season one finished, I was in the middle of writing some questions down to ask you actually. And when episode a random episode from season four come on, and I was like, oh, I'll just leave it on for a minute. And I was completely lost. I was like, hold oh, on yeah. a second, they've all grown up, like. Uh, it, it just threw me off. I was like, I, I'll have to turn it off, obviously, so I turned it off, and I'll, I'll get to it eventually once I've seen the rest. But, I mean, that show, seriously, like, I, I'm such a big fan of it, so then I became extra excited to talk to you because I just, I love the show. It's so good. Oh, thanks, man. I, I, I mean, I'll talk about that show, you know, for the, like, any any time. That was, again, the greatest uh, five-year stretch that I've had in my life, and it was, a, it was a drag. It was a show that, again, that had a nice niche following. It was kind of a cult show but it just never was something that was uh, that had a chance to be embraced by a big audience and uh, I'm, I'm glad that it's still finding people that really that, that means a lot thank you so much yeah, yeah it's, it's a shame because like... I thought it was a, a newer show when I first started watching it but then when I saw I had Maury in it and I'm like didn't that guy die so, yeah, like, yeah. so I had to go back and then when I saw it, was, it ran from like 2008 through what 2012 2013 I'm like oh wow it's like this is an older show and that's that's so amazing because, again, it's like I didn't know this show existed or I would have watched it from day one because it, it truly is like a, a tremendously well-written and well-performed show. And I, I, just, yeah. I just loved it. Yeah, thanks. It was, yeah, it was a, a heck of an experience, man. And everyone involved in that was, was so brilliant. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was good times. I, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll, I really appreciate it because I know that it's, it's a bit of a hidden gem. So I, I appreciate is, you guys yeah. bringing it up. And like you know, just going back to to Maury Chaykin as well. Like our first introduction to him was he's he's on Trailer Park Boys in one episode for like mm-hmm. two minutes, and like even just that one little bit, it's so funny the way he can just turn it from being really really serious and calm, and then he just flips and he starts shouting, and and, and he does that a lot in Less Than Kind as well. There's there's one scene where he's in he's in the car and he's teaching someone to drive, and he's like the guy's going crazy and. Uh, Maury's like, you need to calm down. You seriously need to just calm down. I don't know what you saw. And then he starts flipping. Oh, I don't know why you're so irate. You need to calm down. And it just killed me. It just, he's, he's such a funny, talented actor. I absolutely yeah. just love watching him on screen. I know exactly what uh, what scene you're talking about. It's when he's teaching my teacher how to drive, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and he's freaking out. Yeah, that was uh, that's that's probably one of the most famous uh, moments from the show. And yeah, when, like when when. Ross McMillan, who plays uh, Mr. Lube, ha- is having his freakout, and uh, we couldn't believe the stuff they were letting us get away with because the first season was on uh, City TV in Canada, which you know is a, it, it, it's a it's a normal uh, channel, right? It's they're usually not allowed to get away with that kind of thing, 
And then in season two, we actually moved over to HBO Canada, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, but yeah, we were just shocked they would let us get away with it. And everyone crowded around the set that day to watch Ross and Maury do that scene. And oh my God, it was funny. I mean, <laughs> it was just hilarious. And Maury's so good at that. You have those explosions. He also did a great, uh, a bunch of them on uh, Entourage when he was basically playing Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> um, he was, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a he was. I mean, one of the greatest character actors of all time. Absolutely, <laughs> just amazing. So, mm. going obviously, that was a comedy show, and then Lock and Key is the opposite of that. What do you prefer to do? Do you because pref- you're so good at comedy, and not every actor can do that. But you fit so perfectly into that into that uh, that genre. Oh yeah, thank you. I I appreciate that. Well, I mean, I think it's it's actually kind of ironic is that. On less than kind, with the exception of uh, there, there are moments. I, I don't want to uh, to knock uh, uh, the stuff I had to do on less than kind in any way, because again, it was the best uh, best time of my life. But for the most part, Sheldon was sort of the straight man on that show. He was the one that would kind of, you know, the one who was serious. There's the episode where I'm jacked up on caffeine, which was super fun. Yeah. But <laughs> other than that, uh, you know, it was really kind of my job in those scenes was to set up Maury and Ben for the joke, and then be the heart of the show. You know, Sheldon was yes. the one that you really related to. A lot of the more dramatic elements of the show surround Sheldon. Um, whereas on Lock and Key, I felt that I was actually more of a comic relief in a serious show. So it, it was kind of a, a weird thing. It's like uh, I felt that some of you know Sheldon's more serious antics would have fit more in with Lock and Key. And the stuff that I was doing as Doug in, in Lock and Key where I'm being all sarcastic and stuff, I was like, well, that almost feels more like less than kind. So... It's weird that in you know the comedy show I was the I was the drama guy and on the dramatic show I'm the comedy guy, um, but I mean if it's if it's well written which I'm so lucky that both these shows are, that's like honestly it's ninety percent of your job. Making a bad joke work is brutal. Making a good joke work is so easy. You just got to say it and and you got guys like on Less Than Kind it was uh, Mark McKinney of the Kids in the Hall and Marvin Kay and Chris Shea's screen. Sheldon's actually based on Marvin, one of the creators. Excuse me, I just burped. Um, but uh, those guys were such incredible writers that you could just show up and, and say it, you know, and say it as is. Lock and Key, it's very similar. But Lock and Key, obviously, is much more of a uh, kind of mythology-driven show, um, which is why it's so amazing that we had uh, Meredith and Carlton. And I'm just really blessed that I got to work with all these all these incredible people. But in terms of the difference... Um, yeah, I mean, I feel as long as, you know, you feel supported by the rest of the cast and the crew, no matter what the genre is, the job is is made easier. And I was so fortunate on both those productions to, to have that. Um, the, the, I think that the bigger thing, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but the bigger thing with, with Lock and Key was it was the first real show that I'd been cast on since Less Than Kind. I'd done guest spots here and there, but Lock and Key was obviously something where I knew that I was going to be they're, uh, you know, kind of popping in frequently enough that I, I was nervous. I was like, well, this is different, you know. On Less Than Kind, I was sort of the center of the show. I always tried to be warm and welcoming to anybody who came on set, but I don't know how they're going to treat me on Lock and Key. So I was really nervous to kind of go there that first day, uh, only to be to realize that that was all ridiculous because on Lock and Key, they were all amazing and super welcoming. And Amelia, who plays uh, Kinsey Locke, is maybe the sweetest, nicest person on the face of the planet who does one of the best American accents uh, uh, I've ever heard. And I, within five minutes of being on the lock and key set, they were treating me as if I was the lead of the show. They treat everybody that way. So, um, 
Yeah, I feel like if you've got a really warm environment and everyone is super welcoming and and open to hearing your ideas and you know your choices, then uh, then it really doesn't matter because uh, you you feel like you can thrive. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever considered doing any stand-up comedy? Yeah, uh, I have thought about it. Um, the thing with me is I was always a very good public speaker. It was never a fear of mine. I won a, a lot of public speaking awards in high school and stuff. It was just something I felt comfortable doing. And it, yeah, it just didn't make me nervous. But something about stand-up comedy terrifies me. I don't know why. It's because people <laughs> yeah. are sitting there. Yeah, you have to do more than give a good speech. They're going, no, I'm here to laugh. That is the one thing you need to make me do. <laughs> and once I have that kind of pressure... I freak out. I feel like if other people wrote me really good material, I wouldn't be, I would be less nervous to do it. But I was like, ah, writing something where people have to laugh is tricky for me. But uh, I'm open to it. One day I'll have a couple drinks and I'll get the guts to go up there and give it a shot. Yeah, you should for sure. You mentioned Mark McKinney, uh, part of, uh, the funny thing is I saw that name pop up and the first thing I thought is I wonder if that's Mark McKinney from Kids in the Hall. Uh, Yeah. So, because I, I was a huge fan of that, because I'm old enough to remember when Kids in the Hall was on HBO uh, back when I was in high school. So, um, w- what's it like to work with a guy like that? Because again, I always thought Kids in the Hall was a better alternative than like Saturday Night Live because of the sketch work that they did, and the performers. It was five guys, but yet they played women, they played kids, they played old people, they played just a, such an array of uh, characters. That what's it like to work with someone that's that creative? First of all, did you hear they're coming back? They're coming and they're doing a show on Amazon. They're doing uh, I 10 did episodes hear that. or something. I got so excited, yeah. yeah. So I was like, yeah, Kids in the Hall is making a return. So I was, yeah, I was man. excited about that. They're, they're, they're amazing. And, and and like you said, I think that the reason that uh, a lot of people kind of preferred or related more to them over SNL is for the exact reason you say it was a smaller cast and they could make weirder choices. And I think that was really cool. But uh, <laughs> no, Mark is is a genius in a way that I had never really seen before. Like, first of all, he's hilarious and he's the nicest guy, super easy to work with, super kind, a great leader. Um, You know, he was the showrunner, so he was in charge of it all. And nobody could look at a scene on paper or watching it. Oh, actually, Carlton and Meredith are good at this on Lock and Key too. But anyway, Mark could look at a scene and for some reason it's not working and you just see him in the corner squinting, looking at the scene, and then he'll be like, got it. And he'll say this, this, and this, and every problem is solved. Uh, he's just <laughs> super, super intelligent. We actually had a, a couple of uh, the kids in the hall on. We had Dave Foley on. Dave's a really amazing guy. Kevin McDonald was, uh, came in <laughs> yeah. for a spot. He's, he's hilarious. I, I've uh, been lucky enough to meet all of them, and they're all like super nice and really funny and self-aware, and they're just uh, just really great guys, and I'm – I just, it's been such a blessing knowing all of them. Like, uh, but obviously Mark is the one I'm closest with and yeah, I really look up to him. He's really amazing. That's awesome. So can you tell us, cause I've listened to another, a couple of podcasts that you've done recently. Can you tell mm-hmm. us, cause it's hilarious. Todd doesn't know this. Can you tell us about, you know, the anecdote about the Toronto film festival involving uh, oh, Colin, yes. Colin Farrell? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to one day, meet him again and uh, tell him that story to his face so okay so uh i think this was after the first season of less than kind i believe it was and you know you'd think i wouldn't be this ignorant because i have parents in the industry and they'd warned me plenty of times that you know just because you get one job doesn't mean that you've made it you know we've got to save our money we've got to 
you know, keep our, our feet on the ground. And I guess I was young and kind of dumb. And uh, I, I shot the first season of the show. It hadn't even aired yet. No one knew what the show was at the time. And the Toronto Film Festival came along and I said, oh, I'm going to go to the Toronto Film Festival and get into every party because I'm on a TV show and that's how that works. So <laughs> I went there and of course, like I called the publicist from the show saying like, okay, I'm here. Like, what am I doing? And she was like, I don't know. Do you have a movie in the festival? And I was like, no. <laughs> she goes, she goes, well, I don't know. I can't help you. The show hasn't come out yet. Like, and Ben, who plays Josh, had flown in from Vancouver like and we were just kind of sitting in a hotel room being like oh like did we like really screw up here anyway and then uh, she called us a little later and she said look you're really lucky i've got two extra tickets to the green carpet after party of in bruges uh she goes so why don't you come to that and at the time we didn't know what in bruges was and it's a great film obviously with colin farrow and brennan gleason um and so we go to this after party and you know the drinks are flowing it's open bar and uh i'm pretty well off and all of a sudden, I really need to take a leak. And I'm like, all right, well, let me find the bathroom here. And I don't know why, but this bar had one toilet. And there was a huge line, like a massive line. And I was going, I'm not going to make it. Like, I said, well, maybe I'll run next door. But I, I had lost my pass to get in. I was like, they never let me back in. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Because, like, I really need to go. So I'm kind of looking around, and I, I grab a glass from the bar, and I'm like, if it gets really bad, I'll just go in the corner and, I guess, take a leak in this. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> this is really bad. Yeah. And uh, as I'm kind of debating what to do, it's to the point where if I take my mind off of it, even for a millisecond, I'm going to go in my pants. And uh, I kind of turn around, and I almost collide with our publicist, and she goes, oh, Jesse, hi. I wanted to introduce you to Colin and Brendan. Uh, the leads of the film, and she's like, you know, Jesse's on the show, and, you know, they're, they're very busy guys. I'm sure that they had more important people to me, but they were kind enough to shake my hand, and in that moment where I kind of got that second of starstruck to go, oh, hi, nice to meet you, I completely wet myself. Wow. Like, <laughs> no, no, not just a little bit, like, I the whole thing. the floodgates. And, well, once luckily, you start you can't stop that's the thing exactly luckily <laughs> um it was a dark bar and i was wearing black pants and they moved off quickly because again they had you know other things to do super nice though and the publicist walked off and i'm just standing there with like these stained pants and i went up to like a waiter and i was like oh i think somebody dropped their drink over there and then i uh went to uh, to see Ben, and I said, give me your pass, and he gave me his ticket, and I went back to the hotel, showered, changed, and uh, came back. But, yeah, wow. So I literally <laughs> pissed myself while meeting Colin Farrell. See, that's the thing. You, you've told that story now on one podcast, and we you've just told it again on this one. Other people are probably going to listen to this. And then you're going to have to keep telling the story now because it's such a classic. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty – you know what's funny is I've actually got – I've got – I don't know how much time you guys have, but I have another bodily fluid story. With, You've got to tell uh, it now. <laughs> okay. Uh, I might have to – I think I might have to admit some names. Okay, I'll, I'll just be careful. I was shooting – I, screw it. It's not embarrassing for anybody but me, so I'll just tell it like it is. So uh, I was shooting a movie in Vancouver called Rapture Palooza. And uh, it's uh, it's a movie with uh, Anna Kendrick and uh, Craig Robinson. And I had a nice role on that, but it was a kind of a really tumultuous uh, rehearsal process for me. I wasn't connecting with the character. I wasn't I wasn't doing very well. And I was I was actually pretty worried I was going to get replaced. 
and there was all these kind of script changes. And by the time I got to set, the character had been kind of cut down. It's really no one's fault but mine. I just wasn't ready to do it. And uh, we were shooting in this house, and I really needed to go to the bathroom and not just take a leak. Like, I needed to, you know, take a dump. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if I was just really anxious about the shoot or what, but my stomach was cramping, and I was like, I really need to go. And uh, Anna Kendrick was shooting this scene with Anna Gosteyer, who's playing her mom, the great Anna Gosteyer from SNL. And uh, it's it's a very spoofy movie. And the scene they were shooting is probably the one actually really serious scene in the film, which I actually think ended up getting cut. I could be wrong. Um, so I went up to one of the uh, ADs, the assistant directors, and I said, hey, guys, can I run back to base camp, use the bathroom, or can I use the bathroom in here? They said, well, you can't use the bathroom in here. It's a live set. If you flush, they're going to hear it during a take. They said, but we can't really let you, we can't really let you go back to base yet because they're on the last shot, and then we got to block you for the next scene. So like, can you wait, like, 20 minutes? And for some reason, I said yes, even though I couldn't. Because oh. uh, I guess I didn't, I, I was just so nervous and, like, happy that I still had the job. So I said, okay, and then I'm sitting down and I'm sweating and I'm like, okay, no, like, it's this disaster. Like, <laughs> this is going to happen one way or another. So I, I snuck off to the bathroom and I was like, this is what I'll do. I'll go. I'll wait till I hear a cut and then I'll flush and maybe they'll get mad, but they'll go, oh, it's like it was between takes, so who cares? So I went and I did my business and I was listening and I couldn't hear anything. So I was like, oh, God, I'm just going to have to take a, a guess here. Uh, and I flushed, and sure enough, from, like, upstairs, I hear, like, cut, and I hear, like, a commotion, people aren't happy, and, like, oh, I no. hear people moving towards the bathroom, like, coming, <laughs> so I, like, open the door, and I peek out in the hallway, and luckily there's no crew member in the hallway, but I can see, like, the shadows of people, like, coming, so I, <laughs> so this is actually, what I did was pretty genius, I have to say, I left the door open, so it looked like I'd left the bathroom, and no joke, I ran into the tub, lay down, and shut the shower curtain. And just <laughs> lay there and held my breath while someone like <laughs> came into the bathroom and looked around. And then I guess saw that no one was in there and just left. And I was literally shaking because I was like, if they found me, like I don't even know what I would have said. If they just found me, like, flying. Anyway, and then like a, a couple hours later, I was sitting... Um, around with the cast it was me this great actor named Caleb Worthy this other great uh, actor named John Francis Daly who was on Freaks and Geeks and uh, is now a great writer he wrote like Horrible Bosses and the first Spider-Man movie and uh, Anna Kendrick and we're all kind of talking and uh, Anna's talking about how she shot the Twilight movies up there and stuff and she was being very complimentary towards Canadian crew members and then she said something along the line it could have been her could have been John said something along the lines of yeah they're really great she goes although Today, like, some idiot went to the bathroom and flushed the toilet, like, in the middle of a take, and, you know, it ruined it. She's like, that, you know, that's kind of it's annoying when you're doing a, an emotional scene and you're really in the moment. And I looked at her right in the eyes. I said, yeah, that's just, that's amateur hour. I mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> there's you know, no room for that on the set. And so no one ever found out that it was me. But that's my other kind of uh, bathroom emergency story. You're like the king of the ninja dumps. Yeah, I'm so scared. Like, <laughs> one day I'm gonna get on like a Marvel movie and I'm gonna ruin it by crapping my pants or something. I, it's so bad. But yeah, those, so piss my pants. Meeting Colin Farrell destroyed Anna Kendrick's big scene by taking a dump in the bathroom. Like it's it's all none of it's good. 
Did you ever hear about this? I, I don't know who it was. I just know it's one of those kind of crazy stories it's told, but it's a story goes that there's a party or something and somebody, it was, a, it was a girl, she needed to use the washroom, same thing, she needed to take a dump. So she goes upstairs, it's not her house, she takes a dump, flushes, but the, the flush doesn't work. She's like, oh no, what can I do? I can't leave it there. I, I need to do something. It won't go. She's trying to plunge it and it won't go. So she decides, I'll, I'll wrap it up in some toilet paper and I'll throw it out the window. So she throws, <laughs> she throws it out the window but doesn't realise that the conservatory is right below the bathroom window. So it literally oh, oh lands on top of the conservatory <laughs> and everyone's in there. So they just see this crash look up and there's just shit rolling down. Yeah, that's oh. funny. And I'm only telling that to try and make you feel a little bit better. No, I, I appreciate Because <laughs> that would have been worse. Like, th- th- this is not nearly as bad. I went to, um, you guys know the actor, uh, well, great actor, Jay Baruchel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he's a Montrealer, and I uh, I took a, an acting class that his mom was at. Anyway, I was at his uh, his family home for a party, and I went to take a dump during the party, and I got stuck in the bathroom with his cat. And his cat was just staring at me the entire time. Like, uh, yeah, I was like, I don't know how I keep getting myself in these positions, but yeah. Did it cause stage fright? Could you, like, not go because exactly. the cat was looking at you? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so we're, we're going to wrap it up very shortly, but I did ask uh, our followers on Twitter if they had any questions, and we do have three questions for you. So, sure. Um, first one is from Lisa Luck, and she wants to know, if you were stuck, these are very generic questions by the looks of it, if you were stuck on a desert island uh, with three items, what would the three items be? And she also says she can't wait for season two of Lock and Key. Uh, I can't wait either. Um... Well, all right. I, I won't. Uh, I won't pull a Dwight Schrute from the office and just say survival things. Uh, I would probably want uh, one of the Harry Potter books, as I am a massive, massive uh, Harry Potter fan. Um, God, what would I want after that? I guess uh, you know a, a piece of paper to to write on. I really do enjoy writing. It really does relax me. And uh, then well, a I'll pen. Say, a pen would be the third item, then, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, there you go. Then a pen and paper. So a book and a pen and paper. I thought maybe a functional toilet. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> ah, who cares? I'm alone on the desert island. Like at that point, you know, I'm in heaven. I, I don't have to. I don't have to wait for anything. I can just go. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, Eddie Dangerfield says, um, "If you could be part of any movie franchise, what would it be?" Yeah, that's tough. Um, I think uh, I think it would probably be the the Wizarding World. I just love everything there. But a close second would probably be uh, the Marvel movies. That's those yeah. are just really fun. Oh, yeah. I yeah, really I admire what they've done. Yeah, I think you, I think you make a good wizard though. I can see I, you I, wear, I, wearing the Hogs, Hogwarts gear. <laughs> yeah, I would I would love it. Yeah, that that's that's got to edge it out just because it's my uh, you know it's my childhood and stuff. So there you go. <laughs> okay, so the last one here is um, you. This is from Kayla Nicholson. She says you were in the TV miniseries "The Truth About the Harry Cubit Affair" with Patrick Dempsey. Mm-hmm. What was it like? What was it like working with um, Patrick Dempsey, uh, McDreamy? And she put love hearts. I guess she must like him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, well, this is going to be a bit disappointing. I I, I was in that. Uh, although the, the thing I did it got cut, I was there very briefly. I never really worked with him. I, I, I rode in a transport with him, and he seemed very nice. But we didn't really talk uh, talk a ton. But 
from all accounts on that production, he was super nice, and uh, he's really, really good in that as well. So the the, the brief kind of smile in an intro we had with each other was very pleasant, but I, I really didn't work that closely with him. But uh, for all intents and purposes, he was apparently very nice. <laughs> so Todd, Todd, you had you had a last question, I think. Yeah, I'm just wondering. Um... Are there any projects that you would like to, to bring to the big screen or small screen? Because you say you know you like to write. Is there anything that you're working on or anything that you've been interested on that you're trying to maybe come up with an idea on how to bring it to uh, like Netflix, Hulu, or the big screen? Yeah, actually, uh, there is something I've been working on. I think I, you know, if if you listen to if you uh, if you guys have listened to some of the other stuff I've done, I've mentioned it before. Um, I'm. Uh, kind of co-writing a uh, series with one of the creators of Less Than Kind, uh, Chris Shaysgreen. That's sort of, uh, it's a, we call it a, a perspective show, like a character show, where it's less necessarily about plot and more how a certain uh, person's point of view affects their life. You know, there's great ones like Masters of None does that really, really well. Uh, but for me, it would be about, you know, what it's like to be, you know, a quite a, you know, pretty overweight person trying to be an actor uh, and how, you know, your weight uh, can affect all aspects of your life, from your dating life to getting part-time jobs to, you know, auditioning and just like little kind of struggles like that. And it's something that uh, that I think could be really, really fun and and uh, you know, really we real and grounded uh, that we're trying to get going. Um, whether I'm going to bring that to Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or anybody, anybody who wants it, come come and get it. We're uh, okay. we're open for business. Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been working on right now. Thank you that's for an, asking. That's great. That's an awesome project because watching. Um, the less than kind series i don't know what sparked it but i kept thinking watching you work just kind of reminded me of john candy yeah thank just, you just That's just because yeah because i was sitting there watching i'm like your mannerisms and like the way you deliver comedy and like almost like a serious heartfelt way i just kept thinking wow he's like the next john candy but then at the same time it kind of made me sad because john candy was always stuck in certain roles because of his size and he always said mm -hmm. that he couldn't lose weight because if he did he would no longer be like the funny fat guy in, in Hollywood anymore so it was almost like a tragedy that he felt like he was so typecast in those kind of roles because I think there was so much more he could have done and watching you kind of it, it just I don't know why I just kept thinking wow it's, it's like watching John Candy so um, oh thank you yeah I think that that's, uh, that's, that's something that you know Chris Farley always used to say that too I think that I'm still in a uh, I, I guess it, this is kind of ironic to say a good position because I'm not very well known that I still hopefully have the freedom to uh, to shed the skin a little bit. But it is definitely a fear. I relate to that 100 percent. But anyway, I really appreciate you saying that. I, John Candy, I get that a lot. And it's uh, it doesn't get much better than that. It's it's the highest right. of compliments. So thank oh, you. Yeah. He's he's a, he's a great legendary actor. You know, he does oh, yeah, some great stuff. Sure. So. <clears throat> okay, Jesse. So we're going we're gonna to wrap it up now. And um, where can people find you on social media? If they want to follow yeah, you. I've got uh, Twitter and Instagram, and I'm terrible at both, but I try. So if you like to see someone <laughs> swing and miss a lot, then uh, you'll very much enjoy it. On Twitter, I'm uh, at Jesse115115, which was my homeroom in high school, and I've never changed it, which I probably should. Uh, <laughs> you'll, get some, you'll get some hot takes on the TV show Survivor. I'm a big Survivor fan. Um, and then mm -hmm. on, uh, on Instagram... I'm a Jesse J.D. Camacho, and that's because my name is uh, Jesse John David Camacho. Uh, and, yeah, there's some fun behind-the-scenes stuff on there and the occasional embarrassing picture. So, you know, uh, 
Yeah, please come at me, and uh, and I love engaging with people. So yeah, excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's it's honestly been an absolute pleasure talking to you, especially about Less Than Kind, because like I say, I've just fallen in love with that show, and I can't wait to see the rest of it. Oh, thanks so much. And if you, honestly, if you have any trouble finding uh, any of the other seasons, I can try to help you. I don't know if I'll be much help, but I can uh, definitely try to to get some stuff to you. I really appreciate this, guys, and uh, let's do it again sometime. Uh, I had a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, definitely. Like Absolutely. if you get if, if this pro- this project you're working on, get, if you get it off the ground, let us know, and we'll we'll bring you back on to uh, help promote it. It'd be wonderful to have you back again. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, thanks, thanks man. man. Yeah, you have a nice night. Right, you too. Bye bye. Hey, what's going on? This is Bubble from Trailer Park Boys, and you're listening to Major's Mass Hall. <laughs> so there we go. There was our interview there with Jesse Camacho. Thanks again, Jesse, for coming on. It was absolutely wonderful to chat with you, and uh, we look forward to the second series of Lock and Key. Um, without further ado, here we go. We're going to go straight into now, get to the point, which is our comedy skit, skit that we do, which we've done on previous episodes. It's something that me and Todd work on, and we kind of include Craig a little bit, which he doesn't really like. But um, we've been working on a new <laughs> a new little uh, little skit for it, so we're going to go through to that now. So this is uh, Get to the Point. Get to the Point with Hello and welcome to Get to the Point with uh, your host Elroy McNeil, the big deal, of course. Uh, and this is, of course, Cheese FM 98.7, Banger's Best Music Mix. And I'm back after a long vacation. I'm back sitting at my desk, uh, rearing to go uh, with a brand new show. Uh, obviously, the hot topic of the moment is, of course, uh, COVID-19. So we are going to be... Uh, that is the hot topic. So if you've got, got a call, call in to talk about that alone, please, because we do have... You know, uh, there's a lot of rumours going around, a lot of conspiracy theories regarding this pandemic. And uh, I'd like us to uh, sit down and have a proper chat and get rid of all the uh, the bullshit, so to speak. Uh, excuse my French. Anyway, we are going to go through to... We do have a guest on the line at, right now waiting. It is uh, our good friend, uh, Suzuki. Okay. Suzuki. Suzuki. Sorry, Suki. What? Okay, so you uh, you have an opinion on this this uh, the pandemic. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Thank you for letting me through. Because normally you've been blocking my calls. And I no, know you've I'm been... Just say, I've never blocked what? you, Suki. It's never, that's, ne- that's never happened. I always let you on. In fact, half the time, we don't even know what you're calling because you change your name. I beg to differ. We can, we can just leave it at that. But that's okay. Because here is my deal. As you know, I run the restaurant Gandhi's. And people could come in for curry. They could come in for uh, all different kind of their Indian cuisine. What's it called? What's it called? What's the name of the restaurant? Gandhi's. 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 You know, like Mahatma Gandhi. Is this the, the restaurant where all the staff just wear slippers? Probably. We like to be comfortable there, and we let people come in comfortable. But right now, I cannot let anybody in because I am not considered an essential worker. So therefore, my restaurant cannot open. This is bullshit. Yeah, but obviously you understand why, Suzuki. You you must understand the reason why that, that you know we've closed the restaurants. I, it's it's important. I, I I do not know. I do not know. This is what I know. all I know is this. I provide good nutritious meals 
to everybody who comes into my restaurant. I never get a single complaint. I pass my health inspection all the time. I'm very clean. But for some reason they say, due to the COVID-19, I cannot have my restaurant open. And I think it's a bunch of malarkey. Well, it's funny you say that you're very clean, but I, I, the reason why I knew the, the restaurant you're talking about is because it has been in the papers. Uh, one of the reasons why, which stood out to me, was that uh, apparently uh, the head waiter, who is wearing sandals, um, doesn't cut his toenails. Apparently they're, they're long enough to, uh, to... Apparently they did injure an old woman. Apparently she, he was pulling out her seat to sit her at the table. Uh, his big toe did uh, graze her ankle, and uh, there was blood drawn. That's what I heard. Well, he moonlights as a massage therapist where he walks on people's back and sometimes he has to scratch it, so that is not my concern. My concern is he does not carry the fucking food with his Okay, look, can I just ask you to watch your language, please, on her? And also, as well, while, we, while you've got you, Suzuki, can you turn the music down as well, okay? We can hear, hear the music. It's Suki! Okay, Suki, turn your music off. So sorry. It is my teenage daughter. She has some friends over after the pandemic has relieved a little bit. Well, she, sh- she shouldn't have friends. Time. She shouldn't. It hasn't been relieved. She shouldn't have anybody don't, over. Don't worry. They're ten feet apart. They're perfectly fine. Let me go. Could you turn the music down? And while you're at it, stir the curry before it burns. How many times do I have to tell you? Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. That should be better. No, it's not better. It's louder. They've turned it up. Well, she's a teenage girl. What the hell do you expect? I, 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 try, I can't hear what you're saying. Then clean the shit out of your ears. Look, please stop with the language, okay? Is this a knock on how I speak? Is this talking about my accent, my language? No, not that. No, I'm talking about the, the, the vulgar words you're using. Shit and fuck. Well, you just used it. What? Oh, you're the big star. Let use it as a one-off. I used it as a one-off, Suzuki. Okay, and that's just because you were confused about what I was talking about. Speaking of one-offs, you tell everybody you're on vacation. I heard a little birdie tell me a different story. I did go on vacation. I I, I went away for a while. Had to come back early because of the pandemic. It was not of your choice, my friend. Because the FCC found out some of the things you were doing and how you were treating people of, shall I say, smaller stature, you were asked to leave the station and you pretty much had to beg for your job back. So don't give us none of that poo-poo. Right, okay. I wasn't going to mention this, but I will now. Okay, yeah, it does appear that I was attacked on her. People heard because it was recorded. Um, You know, and my car was blown up. Okay, the police were called. They, they, they look for a man called Paulie Short. Turns out it was a fake name. I should have known. So, oh, so, so it's, it's not. He outsmarted you. No, it's not he funny. You blow, he blew up my car. It's hilarious. So yes, I was suspended, and I, I don't feel that it was uh, on fair grounds. But you know, there you go. I've, I've uh, served my punishment, and, and I'm back. So, but I, but I did go on vacation. It was not because you wanted to. Listen, I've had enough. Okay, it's time to go. So, thank you very much. You can go. Oh, now. no, thank you. Thank you. You can go. Okay. Oh, but, all right. Bye, Suki. I'll, I'll leave now. Yes. I'll leave now. Good. Bye. Okay, so we get. We, hold on. Still hear the music. Suki, you're still there because I can hear the music. What's he doing? 
Right, can you seriously, Jamie, can you put a, a block on his number? Because honestly, I can't, every time he calls in, there's nothing but trouble. Anyway, we do have uh, uh, another caller on the line. Uh, this is uh, Jerry Caesar. Jer- Jerry Caesar, okay. Uh, this this name sounds familiar because I bought a car off a gentleman uh, of this name. So is this the same Jerry Caesar that I bought my new car off? Oh, that is correct, sir. You were down at my dealership just the other day. And I sold you a brand new, nice, slim-lined, brand new four-door sedan. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I treated you good while you're here. And I wanted to call in and say, just to see how the car's doing for you, my friend. You, you, you certainly did. And just to, you know, if anybody needs a new car, uh, please go and see Jerry Caesar. Uh, Jerry, the address, please. Well, it, it is exactly uh, 1421... West Broadway, right here in good old Bangor, Maine. And there you go. So make sure you get down to 1421 West Broadway if you need a new car uh, or, or secondhand, uh, whatever, whatever suits your needs. This gentleman will take very good care of you. Um, I, I Honestly, I mean, I, I can't praise the guy enough. I, I genuinely owe him a favour. I mean, absolutely amazing. Oh, so glad you said that. Because remember, man, I put in the brand new... Uh, uh, air freshener in your car to give it that nice new car smell. Yeah, you did. I, I also upgraded and gave you a new knob on your gear shifts, so it's ergonomical, so your wrist won't get sore when you're shifting gears. Yep. So I, I hooked you up, brother. Yeah, you and did. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad. So, so, like, so like I say, if anybody needs a new car, go and see Jerry Caesar at 1421 West Broadway. He will uh, get you exactly what you need. Jerry, uh, are you calling in regards to the pandemic? Anything to say? Well, not really, but I'm glad that you brought up that you owe me a favor. Because as near as I can remember, the time which you came in the other day to buy the car for me was not the first time you met Jerry Caesar. You yeah. dig what I'm saying? Well, no, no uh, I, I, I was there the week before, but I talked to another gentleman... Um, yes. I can't remember his name. I think it was Derek, and uh, I didn't see you anywhere. So, I mean, if you were there, uh, maybe you seen me. I don't recall seeing you before then, though. Well, think think back in your history, there, brother. So, so my friend, let's take it back about twenty years to our college days. We were in a few classes together. Do you recall now? Well, of course, you know, you know, Jerry, 20 years ago, uh, I'd, I'd not long uh, arrived to the U.S., obviously from the U.K., and um, don't really remember very much about it, uh, apart from I was made fun of for the way I speak a little bit. Um, if you were one of those bullies, then uh, I forgive you. you know, oh, I'm, no, I'm, sir, no, sir. I was what I considered a good friend of yours. We made a pact. See, you were, that was back in your days when you were studying radio engineering and you wanted to be a famous DJ. And I was studying, well, a few other things other than that. But I was also dipping my toe in the pool of music. And we made a pact, man. We said that if I became a famous musician, I would help you get in the radio business. And you said that if you was ever a famous DJ on the radio, you would give me a big break in the music industry. And here we are, baby. Uh, I don't remember... uh Vaguely remember somebody talking like Mike Tyson in college. Uh, don't know if it was you, but I imagine it probably Mike wasn't. Tyson. Yeah, you, you just fun of the way I talk. Maybe no, no, no. Just because he ha- he has a, he has a speech impediments, and and you do as well. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way you talk. 
Well, thank you for pointing that out like you and everybody else I ever had to speak to in front of people. Like they never say, hey, man, there's the guy with the lisp. That's his strand, man. Go kick me while I'm down too. What are you gonna? No, no wonder they kicked you off the radio station for making fun of little people, man. Oh, uh, I didn't you really, I didn't really make, I didn't really make fun of him. I was attacked by him in public, and uh, you know, I retaliated on it. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Yes, and if you recall, he blew up your car, and I hooked you up with a sweet ride and a hell of a deal. So you owe me, brother. Yeah, well, what am I supposed to do for you? I, I, there's nothing I can do. I, I haven't. What, what do you do? You don't play any instruments. You don't. You, you, you're not a singer. Oh, yes, I do. Remember, we used to jam in one of our dorm rooms. I had that sweet drum kit, and I still got it. I was going to be next Phil Collins, man. Right. Okay. Well, it's all well and good saying that you can play the drums. I've never heard you, so uh, I, I can't recommend you, you to anyone. To me all the time, man. Uh, but that's okay, cause I got my studio set up right here. And I'm going to go over and I'm going to set down my drum kit. And this is going to be my debut on the national radio. No, no, that's not that's not necessary. Playing my drum kit. Oh, it's no trouble. Don't you worry about it now. You owe me, brother. I hooked you up with a sweet deal. You said you owe me. So let, let's, let's do this, man. Here I am. I'm going to go over and I'm going to set down my drum kit. No, it's not necessary. He's moved away. Uh, Jamie, just go through to some ads, please. No, I won't listen to this. Oh, for... The first ever... International debut of me doing in the air tonight. Thank you very much. Oh yeah, I feel you coming tonight. Oh no, I've been waiting for this moment all my life. Oh. Oh, 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 yeah, sweet, man. Can you dig it, brother? Yeah, it's nice. Oh, oh, oh. It's going to blow up. I'm in my studio, sing studio, in the air night. Whew. That was a sweet jam, wasn't it? That was bloody awful. What are you talking about? You've got no rhythm. Your voice is terrible. I mean, you sound punch drunk. Well, it's it's not like I'm in a, in a professional studio like you work out of, man. Well, I'm sorry, uh, Jerry. I will not be uh, recommending uh, uh, the, uh, you to anybody, aside from to sell used cars, which I'll plug you again because you did do a good job. If anybody wants a used car uh, at a reasonable price, go to uh, 1421 West Broadway Street, and uh, he will be able to hook you up. Um, yeah, and that's right. If he starts playing the drums, run like hell. Here's, uh, I'm, I am a reasonable man, but you are not. See, you are jealous. Because I got all this sweet talent, and you ain't got shit. You just got lucky, got your radio show. But you're holding me back, man, because you're jealous of my talent and my ability. That's what it is. You're just jealous of my sweet kicks and my drum set, man. Uh, I'm jealous of everybody else that doesn't have to listen to you, because uh, as uh, Evander Holyfield can speak uh, for me, uh, I feel like I'm having my ear chewed off. So we are going to end oh, this good. call. That's good. That's good. I like that. Well, you know what? My neighbors love my drumming. 
They even put me on Facebook, man, and tell me, tell everybody, the world, what a great drummer I am, because I do it all hours of the night. They appreciate me. Why can't you, man? Okay. Well, you know what? You can suck it. How you like that? We're going to go through now to our, our next song by the wonderful Phil Collins. Bertie, hello. hello. Hey, hey. How are you doing? What's up? Huh? What's up? How are you doing? Good man. How are you guys? Oh doing? yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you got to turn your microphone up to eleven? Oh no, I got it on speakerphone on my phone. Oh okay. Oh, okay. Whatever That's works, good. man. So how have you been? I've been doing all right, man. Have you, uh, you haven't gone back to work yet, have you? No, we, they don't know when we're going to be back to work because of this, you know, COVID-19 that you're not allowed to say Corona, so we have to say COVID-19. Who said what you're not allowed to say, to say corona? corona? Yeah, who said that? Apparently you're not allowed to say it on YouTube or Twitter. You can't say the word Corona. You have to say COVID-19 or they'll <laughs> take you out. <laughs> take you out? Jesus. Yeah, that's apparently. So if I say it, somebody might try and take me down. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Jesus Christ. I never heard I've heard of some fucking conspiracy theories regarding this, but I've never heard that before. Yeah, that's new on yeah. me. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean I'll avoid saying it in case there's a sniper on the roof outside, but never mind. Covid nineteen, folks, covid nineteen. Covid nineteen. What do you say, Craig? What do you call this virus? Um oh. I can't twist it. I got Corona. What? <laughs> corona? <laughs> I say like coronavirus. Sounds like a fucking Spider-Man buddy. I, I call it the Kung Flu. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no comment. Fucking hell. <laughs> right, okay. So, uh, we do have some questions on Twitter. I asked the other day if anyone had any questions to ask us. And... Uh, there's been quite a few crazy ones we're throwing at us, so let's let's read out some of them, and we'll see how we get on. Okay, so there's like 17. Well, probably not 17, because it replies to some of these. Okay, Mike B asked one, which is a load of shit, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because he's took the time to t- type up a tweet, which I can only just about understand, which isn't surprising for him. Um, he said, Good sir, inquiring as to why Canadian Football League's Rules provide for three downs for the team on offense as opposed to four downs, i.e. the US NFL method. I do believe the CFL guys are getting fucked around. Um, I don't follow football, so I can't answer that one. Do you know the answer to that one, Todd? I've got no idea. The only thing I can think of would be to um, shorten the game time give them one less down to make the game shorter because like the XFL in the states that started back up again has some rule changes and they're a little different than the NFL and I actually like the XFL rules a little better because the games are faster and it's less bullshit so less um, less bullshit than that question (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I mean that's that's the only thing I can think of would be uh, they go one less down just to speed the game up yeah, maybe so. Uh, that was boring as fuck. Not your fault, though, Todd, because you were dealt a duff card. Uh, Mike, in future, 
Ask interesting questions, please, sir. Thank you very much. I mean, I could come up with some weird conspiracy to answer, but I'm sure that's... Oh, fuck. I, I, tried, I tried to give it a little bit of common sense answer, <laughs> which usually isn't like me, but it's the right. best I could do on short notice. <laughs> exactly, on the spot. <laughs> so our next question is from uh, Saskia. Uh, Saskia is one of our listeners, so hey, Saskia. She wants to know, Toyota or BMW? Craig? BMW. I would say BMW as well. Bertie, have you got an opinion? Uh, BMW, I'll go with. Yeah. I'm going Toyota. Really? What's the re- Why have you decided to uh, not go with the... You know, the... Cause I can't. Af- I can't afford a BMW. I'm not that rich, so at least a Toyota <laughs> I can get. Yeah, but maybe she was going to give us a car, whichever one we wanted. Oh. You've chose the shit oh, one now. That's all right. I'll still take a Toyota Rav4. It's uh, it's kind of one of those small utility vehicles that would work well in the winters of Maine. <laughs> okay, that's a good answer. Right. Okay. So the next question is: This is from, I don't know, actual full name. It's, oh fuck! I'll just read a Twitter handle out. Sassen, uh, no, fuck it, I'll go with the name. She said that's Bri, so m- maybe it's Bri- Brianna, I don't know. So, Sorosa Caledonia, I don't fucking know. Anyway, she's nice enough. She's the girl that talks to us about Tiger King, Todd. So, you, you will, she tags us in Tiger King posts. Oh, yes, okay. Yeah, I just don't know her name, so I apologize. Um, anyway, she says, um, if you could be in the scripted Tiger King series that they're making. Or movie, it might be a series, it might be a movie. And um, which person would you like to play? So if you if you could be in it, which that's not for Craig, because he's never watched it before. Uh, Bertie, have you oh, even wow. heard of Tiger King? No, I have not. You're probably <laughs> the only person in, on the planet that hasn't heard of it, so that question doesn't apply to you either. So this is totally for me and Todd. Todd, who would you like to play? If you could play anyone. Well, this is a really <clears throat> tough one. Because, like, of course, I'd like to be the over-the-top star of the show, so I'd want to be Joe Exotic. But at yeah. the same time, um, I almost think that I'd rather be the business guy who stole the uh, compound from underneath Joe. Um, just because, yeah, Jeff, Jeff because, <laughs> again, I still think that he's Carol Baskin's first husband in disguise. <laughs> So, so I think if I played him, <laughs> that uh, that I, I could have a connection to both sides. I could screw over Joe, and I could screw Carol Baskin. Literally. <laughs> but years years ago, when she was still attractive, she got all weird and kinky. So and before she turned into Hillary Clinton. Play, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Now now she's just she's too Hillary Clintonish, and uh, she's she's fucking nuts. So uh, I'd like to get her back in her semi-attractive, decent days when she didn't have any money. So, you know, <laughs> I, I would probably want to play somebody like Rick Kirkham, who's obviously the, the director guy, because I've always wanted to wear a hat like what he wears. <laughs> and I think like I could probably Indiana Jones. Well, I think I could probably pull off the accent because he kind of spoke like he didn't really talk through his nose properly. So I feel like <laughs> I could do a pretty good Rick Kirkham if I tried. <laughs> so probably him. Yeah. Well, if you if you saw some of the shit that he's put his body through, <laughs> you'd probably understand why the guy talks like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
He seems like a nice guy, though. To be fair. Yeah, I'm sure. He, I'm sure he is. But he used to work on a what is it? A current affair. So. Yeah. 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 That's true enough. Craig, this one's for you. It's from Linda Lampo. Uh, she says, "How is Craig making out in quarantine in England?" She wants to know how you're doing. Try and make it at least two sentences, Craig. All right, um, yeah. I'm doing all right. There's one sentence. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, and I'm enjoying my time off work. There's two. <laughs> I said at least two, but never mind. We'll settle for that. Okay. See, if you had asked me how are you making out during the pandemic, I'd say with my lips. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Uh, okay, our, our friend Kimmy. Kimmy's the, the the artist who we had on the show not oh, so long yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was awesome. She wants to know, I'm going to ask this to Bertie. Bertie, would you rather be an angel or a demon? Oh man, uh, an angel! An angel. I think yeah. I think you'd make a pretty good demon, to be honest. Oh, thanks. Just sitting there going, what? "What? Hang on a minute! I feel like I'm being spooked here. My phone you won't stop fucking blowing up. Oh, it's the little that? demon, Bertie. You know what, Kevin? Saying that, I'm out. Calm down. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what are you saying? What are you saying, Bertie? I said for that insult, I'm out. <laughs> Okay, next yeah, I, question. I'd, I'd say that Bertie's already an angel because he likes to spread joy and good things and goodwill toward fellow man. So. Hell yeah! Yeah. <laughs> <Jesus>. yeah. <laughs> Don't push it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. This is from... Oh, God. Why can't people have normal Twitter handles? This is from... It's basically Masters of the Universe Drawing. I don't know what what that is, but anyway. He says... How do we... There's always somebody that asks a fucking serious question that kills it, so I'm going to ask it anyway. How do we justify killing animals for food when we can easily choose alternatives? What's your opinion on WTC7? Because they taste good. Yeah, I would say... Like, <laughs> that, 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 that's probably the reason, and I will also say that um, the alternatives that I have tried aren't really alternatives. They're not the same. Because well, I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer. So <laughs> like you know, the, I, I don't know. They just I've had like you know the imitation sausages and stuff like that, and they're not the same. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, there's there's nothing like a real sausage, is the Bertie? No, there's no there's no good, better thing than a real sausage. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Uh, next question. This is from no- November Honey on Twitter. She says, uh, this is for Craig. Craig, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Now think about that one long and hard, Craig. Oh, my God. Come on now. <clears throat> what What came first, the chicken or the egg? In your opinion? Because we don't really know. Oh, no. Egg? The egg came first. So who laid the egg then, Craig? Another chicken. So where did that chicken come from? I don't fucking know. They come from an egg? From the fucking egg. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do we get eggs without the chicken? That that's what we're saying. Craig? From from God, you damn atheist. <laughs> Craig? What? What 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 where did the chicken come from then, mate? I don't know. You giving another up? Chicken, another chicken and another chicken. I don't know. See, th- this is uh this is the reason why um I actually believe that this is one of the questions that um why people go to religion because it's too they can't get their head around it so it's easy to just go ah god 
and just walk away from it because <laughs> they don't have to do any thinking then you just I'm say God browsing. Jesus Christ what what Bertie back from the bed back from the dead there Bertie Bertie yeah you can't just blast out yeah. and not speak what did you say I said the chicken came from Mary Brown's and KFC <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, we'll settle for that. I like that as an answer. <laughs> KFC. I like that. I crack me up. Uh, somebody asked if I'll, if I'll sing for them again on Twitter. Yes, I will. I just don't know when. Um, and then this question here is, let me see. Um, how many times a day do you poop, Craig? Oh, three. Three shits a day? <laughs> No, not, all, not every day, but it's normally three. Normally Holy three? Shit. Fucking hell, mate. Are you I an elephant? Are you a lot of shit? <laughs> Jesus, three shits. I've got shits. a weight on since I've been off. <laughs> three shits a day? That's a lot of I shit, isn't it? Ass. I've heard of brushing your teeth after every meal, but never taking a shit after every meal. Jesus. Fucking hell. Bertie? One shoot a day. <laughs> so how you set your clock? Like, yeah, it's 12 o'clock, got to go take a dump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's pretty much the, the the average is just once, I would imagine, maybe twice. Um, But three uh, three times a day, Craig. Are they big shits as well? <laughs> well, first one is, and then the, the next two are just uh, little shitty ones. <laughs> little shitty shits. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you have to cap one off early because you're like, oh, somebody's coming. I got to go. And then I'll take care of that later. Uh, this question here is, um, what was the defining moment that made you decide to choose your career, your current career? Well, don't I wouldn't call it a career, um, but I needed a job. So I applied and I got the job. Then I was given a promotion and I accepted it. That's it for me. There's no defining moments for me. Unless you're talking about the podcast. Um, and again... There's definitely no defining moments there either. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Just it's a tough one to answer because we don't really have careers, do we? So no, I have a job, and the reason I have the job I have now is because my other job was getting to the point of so much bullshit and stress that I had to get out. And I happened to see a post on Facebook that one of my friends who I used to work with got a job where I work now. So I jokingly shot him a message and was like, are they still hiring? And he said, yeah, I think so. So I went over talked to the guy that does the hiring, and like 20 minutes later, I had the job. So There you go. Yeah. Craig, do you want to just touch on your job, how you came to get your job? <laughs> By you. I put, in, I put in a good word to get Craig his job. He got the job, and he's maintained it now for fucking hell. It's about 12 years now, isn't it? Uh, 2007 I started. Yeah. Wow, so 13 years almost. Yeah, thir yeah. 13 years at the, at the same job, mate. <laughs> that's, mad, that's, that, isn't that's it? good. Uh, that's longer than I've ever had a job. He still hasn't worked full-time there yet, though. <clears throat> well, I wouldn't if I wouldn't have to. <laughs> True. Bertie, smart one. what about you and your job? Uh, This November 14, I'll be there six years at my job. Yeah? Nice. What do you do, Bertie? I clean the, the bowling alley and the 
upstairs lounge and the hallway out in out in the building, the hockey arena. AKA he's a fluffer. Is that how you prepare to fluff? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, next question is what is Pistol Pete going to do the Coke and Mentos challenge? <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> yeah, Pistol Pete's going to be doing the Coca Mentos challenge now. Hold on, because I've got there's something I need to talk to you guys about regarding that in a minute. Okay, so um, which TV show or movie character do you identify with and why? So, of all TV shows, characters or movie characters, who do you identify with the most, Craig? Well, I've been identified by Leanne uh, Onslow. From keeping up appearances. Fucking hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, if you haven't seen that, that's like, um, it's an old British sitcom and the uh, the character Craig's talking about is basically a slob who just <laughs> sits there not wanting to do much. Actually, you know what, Craig? I'm with you, mate. I put me down as Jim Royal, to be fair, because he's sarcastic, got sarcastic wit, and he just sits there fucking moaning and bitching and winding everyone up. So definitely Jim Royal for me. And he's from the Royal Family, which is another British show. Which, ironically, the actor who played Onslow was on that show as well. Twiggy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to leave it there now for the questions. But we are just going to very quickly talk about um, this Coca Mentos challenge. Okay, so Dick Johnson did just did it recently on his... On his hey, uh, Todd, you need to do it too, man. Oh, fucking hell, man. Let me just get through it. <laughs> fucking, my phone's talking to me here. My phone's talking. I must have said, OK, Google or something, and it's gone off. I've just done it again. A top result? Yeah. Guess, uh, hold on. Are you looking for tops and bottoms? or? I didn't even touch you. He was just sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, so Dick Johnson did it recently, and it's very yes. funny if you go and check it out. Dick didn't believe that, uh, that it was there would be a chemical reaction, and there obviously was. Um, so the challenge is you're supposed to try and drink it. So when you put the, the, the Mentos mint in the bottle, you're supposed to put your mouth over it and try and drink You know what you can as it shoots up. So Pistol Pete has said he's going to do it. So that's coming up. Craig, I really think you should try it, mate. I think it'd be hilarious. It's it, All you've got to do is go outside. And I've, I've already seen a picture of your garden, so it's, it's perfect for you to do it. Um, just go out into your garden and put the bottle on the ground. Chuck, did you see Dick Johnson's video? You did, didn't you? Uh, yeah, so you're just doing that. Throw about four mints in the bottle. and it, you Go with Diet Coke because it's the bigger reaction. Put Diet Coke down on the floor and put your mouth over it as the mints go in. Try and drink it as best you can. Get Leanne to video it, and then we upload it. Bertie, will you do the same? <clears throat> Hell yeah. Okay, so you've got to do that then. You've got to go and buy those Mentos mints and uh, buy a bottle of Diet Coke. You've got to try it, though, and it's got to be videoed. So um, I have a feeling you're not going to do it, to be honest. Oh, I may do it soon, yeah. Okay, soon, well, maybe. I hope so. I hope so. Well, Pistol Pete said he's going to do it, so we'll see what happens. And uh, <clears throat> on that note, we're pretty much it now. That's it for the this episode. I actually do have a shout-out to give as well to one of our new listeners. Her name is Samantha Hager, and she has just bought three of our Majors Messel T-shirts as well, which the, with a oh. new logo on. She bought three different oh. kinds. So, again, that's a little plug for our T-shirts. If you want to buy a T-shirt, just go to majorsmessel.com. 
and click on the merchandise tab. It'll take you through to teespring.com. Or you can go straight to Teespring if you want and just type in Majors Mess Hall. And it'll bring up our merchandise page. The latest newer T-shirts are on the fourth page when you go on there. <clears throat> there is some older ones to choose from as well. There's one with Bertie's face on it. There's one with Craig's face on it. If you want, you know, if they tickle your fancy, buy one of those. Um, but the, the new, I do recommend the new logo T-shirt. It's, it's really cool. So yeah, just a shout shout out to Sam for um, for purchasing those T-shirts and for listening to us as well. She's been listening and talking to me about it, and as she's listening, and she's gone right back to like episode eighty nine and remember the story you read out Craig um, what one was it Jack and the Beanstalk that fucking <laughs> that one fucking killed me that, I, honestly I don't think I've laughed that much on a podcast I couldn't breathe I literally said you can hear me say I can't fucking breathe but I just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing the way Craig was reading it so she's been listening to all that and she just thinks it's absolutely hilarious so we appreciate obviously any support so thanks very much Sam for listening to us and if any of you guys have got any final thoughts for us Let's do it now. Craig, any final thoughts, mate? Because I know you just sat up ready to go, so. <laughs> no. No, nothing at all. No. Fucking hell. Bertie, final thoughts? Final thoughts is just to make sure you check out Major's Mess Hall and support the boys. <clears throat> Thank you very much. And leading on from what Bertie's just said there, obviously they give out the website, majorsmesshall.com. Our Instagram is at Podcast to follow us on there. Twitter is at Majors Mess Hall. Give us a follow on Twitter. Facebook, just search Majors Mess Hall and you will find us. We're the only one that comes up, obviously, because we've got a ridiculous name for a show. And then our Patreon, if you go to patreon.com forward slash Majors Mess Hall, you can become a patron of our podcast. And that's where you can just donate whatever you choose uh, monthly and the money goes right back into the podcast. We use it for to pay for the, the domain name, the hosting fee, um, <clears throat> the... Um, the SoundCloud fee as well, and the replenishment of uh, old equipment as well. Um, okay, guys, we are going to go now, and we will be back with episode one, two, three, which reminds me that this Pistol Pete's just done a little video there singing the song called One, Two, Three, Me Mother Caught a Flea, which uh, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out. We retweeted it on our Twitter page. It's hilarious. Um, okay, guys, we will be back uh, for episode one, two, three. Take it easy. See you soon. Bye. Thank you very much, Jesse Camacho, for joining us. Thanks for joining us, Bertie, Todd, Craig. See ya. Bye. See ya. Bye. Fuck <laughs> off. Bye. Bertie, see you, mate. Bertie, he's fucking gone. <laughs> Jesus. He's gone. Fuck him then. <laughs> see you, guys. Todd's gone as well. Fucking hell. Ha, 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 ha.